and welcome to the Have A Crack podcast, the show that allows at least one person to rant and rave about everything going on in the beautiful game that is football. This week on the Premier League Review Show, I am joined once again by my friend and West Ham supporter, which are not the same thing at all, George Camp. George, welcome back. We must have done something really nice last time for you to want to come back so soon. (laughs) Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, you're welcome. One more and then you get your hat-trick, as you so wish. <laughs> uh, maybe next week, who knows, because... No we'll one get a signed else. ball as well. I'll give, you, I'll give you two signed balls. <laughs> 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 right, um, so before we get into it, um, as I tend to do, I tend to do a little message about um, something nice or something horrible or something that's been highlighted by football to raise awareness for something. And this week, um, I do want to highlight something that has ar- arisen in the last few days with Jerry. Jeremy Whiston, a former Man City Academy youngster and defender who has unfortunately died at the age of 17. I say former, he was a young lad, injured his knee a season ago playing at the Man City Academy. He didn't play much because of it. And as a result, uh, he wasn't selected to go to the next level of football at Man City. Uh, He did try to go elsewhere, but the lack of playing time during his injury really did impact his abilities. And it was really tough on him. Now, the official cause of death has not been released yet, but some people are claiming it to be suicide. And if that is the case, it will highlight the need for more focus on support for young footballers who try their hardest but don't reach the promised land. But for now, of course, all the love in the world to the family um, of Jeremy from everyone here at Have A Crack Podcast, which is just me and George. But hey-ho, I love to you guys anyway. <laughs> Um, Okay, so let's lighten the tone a little bit and jump into the Premier League. Um, It was week six this week. Good God, (laughs) it's going really fast. Quick. Yeah. George, overall, what do you think of this weekend's results? Uh, Any shocks, anything that um, has particularly caught your eye? Um, Shocks? There's not really any shocks apart from, well, maybe the Villa game. Um, you know, Villa's been playing really well. They were top of the league. Um, they, they, they were doing really well. And the West Ham game. Um, but again, to me, that wasn't a shock, but I'm sure we'll get to that um, when we get there. Um, <laughs> West Ham um, getting anything out of a game is always a shock, of course. There you go, yeah. I'll get that in. Yeah. Um, Right, so our, f- <laughs> so our first game of the Premier League was indeed Aston Villa versus Leeds. Final score, Aston Villa nil, Leeds United 3, which will please previous um, guest on the Have a Crack podcast, Ed, His Royal Highness Ed, um, talking about Bamford and, and will he do it in the Premier League? The answer is obviously now yes, because Bamford was the person who scored all three goals for Leeds. The teams, um, we had Martinez in goal for Aston Villa, Cash, Consa, Mings and Target in defence with Louise McGinn in midfield with Trezeguet, Barkley and Grealish supporting Ollie Watkins up front. For Leicester, again, I'm going to apologise for my pronunciation of certain names, but I'll do my best. Uh, They had Meslia in goal. Dallas, Koch, Ailing, and Alioski in defence with Harrison, Klitsch, Sturgic, (laughs) Costa, Rodrigo and Bamford in the front of them. In the front of them, yes. Um, some statistics to point out. Leeds had 27 shots on goal in this match, with nine of them being on target. So really, their 3-0 win is fully justified, with 60% possession and over 140 more passes than Villa. 
So obviously Villa put their 100% record on the line and a go lost. Grealish was denied on the line by Ailing, which was absolutely lovely stuff by him. Uh, Villa had some really great chances, mainly coming from uh, the New England man Grealish himself. But the Leeds goalkeeper um, was, was at it um, to, to deny him every time. The Bamford hat-trick did come in the second half, um, and to be honest, he could have had more than that. He could have had five or six. The first one was a poacher's goal in the box, um, and the other two, my God, a couple of absolutely amazing strikes that I know made George very happy because he put Bamford in his fantasy football team. <laughs> I did. I wasn't going to mention it. I was, yeah. actually. You was, yeah. <laughs> so there you go, George. That was everything that happened in the game. I'll throw over to you. What do you make of the Leeds-Villa game, and, uh, and what are your thoughts? You know what? I think there's one thing, and you touched on a bit with Ed um, in the last one, is Patrick Bamford. Um, I, I had my doubts of Patrick Bamford, and I deliberately didn't put him in my fantasy team because I didn't think that he was going to perform in the Premier League uh, the way he has. And I'll be honest, um, I, 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 I thought that Leeds were going to be hyped, well, overhyped for what they were, were, were when they were coming into the league because I saw their team and I thought, you know what? they don't have much of a different team to what they've had a couple of years ago. Um, and I thought that that will be to their detriment. However, um, they're playing some really positive attacking football. Um, and Bamford's goals, what, a 19-minute hat-trick? I think he scored 20-minute hat-trick. Mm-hmm. So not only that, it's the service that he's getting, he's finishing his on point as well, and they're creating a lot of chances. Now, I'll be worried if, I'm, if we're playing Leeds, I'm worried about it now. I really am. And I think that, um, you know, I'll take my hat off to them and I'll admit I was wrong because they're going to be a mid-table, maybe top-half team um, come the end of the season. Of course, it's the first season in the back in the Premier League for well over a decade. So um, they might get the second season syndrome, but I think the Bielsa impact is, is really going strong for them. And uh, we touched upon the manager in, in the last episode that I was involved in and I don't see Bielsa being there beyond the end of this season. He's only got a one-year contract and he's going to have a lot, a lot of, of clubs trying to poach him. So, yeah, I think the, the, biggest, the biggest thing is Bamford there. I'm, I was disappointed with Villa, um, even though they did have quite a few digs at the goal. Um, obviously, had, they had the one cleared off the line. I thought they was going was gonna to get a little bit more out of the game than what they have at least would have scored. But... No, fair play to Leeds. They're doing really well. Um, and I'm worried when we when we play them. Because you normally, when you look at the, the promoted teams, you think three points. We should be getting three points there. Doesn't matter if you're away or home. But with Leeds, you look at them and think, hmm, maybe not three points. Yeah, so, I've mean, I, I got to be honest, I agree. There's not one team. Well, there is one team. Uh, there are 19 teams in the Premier uh, Sorry, 18 teams in the Premier League that I am worried about. Um, playing the one exception to that yeah. being Fulham at the moment, God bless them. But yeah. um, um, every every team uh, does strike fear, and Leeds in particular. Sheffield United yeah. as well. I, I am quite, you know, given what oh, they Liverpool. did against Liverpool. I was, I know we're skipping ahead a little bit, but I'm generally scared when we play when when Spurs are going to play them because they 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 haven't got any names I recognise. But good God, do they they play football? Um, yeah. Hey ho! Right, so that was Aston Villa nil, Leeds United three. Aston Villa losing their hundred percent record, as mentioned. 
Um, so the next game on my list, George, I don't know if it's the same as yours. We did try to align, but um, I, I can't 100% remember. Is West Ham versus City for me. Um, yeah. Obviously, final score was 1-1, much to the delight of George. Uh, to run through the teams, you had Fabianski in goal for West Ham. You had a back five, that's a back five, of Kufal, Babuena, Ogbonna, Creswell and Masuaku with a midfield of Bowen, Suchek, Rice, Fornells, all supporting the main man, Antonio, up front. For Manchester City, um, Kevin De Bruyne was on the bench for this. So the starting 11 was Raheem Sterling, Sergio Aguero and Rihad Mahrez up front with Ikai Gundogan, um, Hernandez in midfield. I think he's like an academy guy. Um, Bernardo Silva. Uh, in midfield and in defense you had Concello, Garcia, Diaz, Walker and Moreas and I've just realized Hernandez is actually that guy from Atletico Madrid who has a different name. Um, <laughs> yeah I can't remember his name either. No Rodrigo there you go right. Rodrigo Hernandez. Rodrigo. 75 million pound not <laughs> god. Yeah now, so um, the highlights of this game. Antonio had a great overhead kick to put West Ham 1-0 up. Yeah. I'm not going to talk about it too much because I know George has probably prepared a whole chapter of notes on that goal. <laughs> um, it was very, very good, I have to admit. Um, and in my opinion, West Ham were denied a penalty uh, when uh, Diaz brought down Antonio a, a little yeah. bit later on in the match as well. So arguably, they should have been 2-0 up. Uh, Cancelo for City had a great game for me. Um, it just lacked a little bit of, um, of an end game. Mares did have a good opportunity, but Fabianski claimed it without really too much trouble. Uh, the commentators made a very interesting point. Man City this year, it's like watching a Man City tribute band or a Man City tribute team. They look like Man City. They occasionally play like Man City, but there's something that's not quite right. Like the lead singer yeah. is definitely a guy in a wig, you know, that kind of thing. Mm, yeah, I agree. And um, the unfortunate news is Antonio did have an injury, which did force him off. He was making the whole switch me sign to the bench. Um, and eventually he was then replaced um, by Haller and Yarmolenko also came on, I think, as well for somebody else. Yeah. Uh, Man City took off Aguero at halftime, uh, which I'm not 100% sure. George might be able to tell us why a bit later on. Um, mm. But he was replaced by Phil Foden who came on, did a lovely little swivel move near the box, and he buried a lovely goal from just outside the area past Fabianski to make it, unfortunately, 1-1. And arguably, I don't think uh, they deserved that. Um, West Ham were defending quite well for the large majority. Um, Fornells was away in the second half on his own, but honestly, just a lack of quality um, at the end. Otherwise, he could yeah. have probably looped the goalkeeper and gotten a lovely goal there. Um, but overall, I think there was mounting Man City pressure after that. Um, and in the end, I think both teams, well, I think of both teams, West Ham would be happier to come away with the draw, obviously. Um, yeah. And I have to say one final line for me before giving it over to George to, to do his little West Ham dive is West Ham are being an absolute pain in the arse uh, to top teams this season. <laughs> Leicester, Spurs, Wolves and now City. And of course, Liverpool are next with the way Liverpool are playing and with the way West Ham are playing. I hope, I sort of hope and pray that West Ham will win, but at the same time, I hope and pray they never do. So I will hand over to a West Ham fan now, George, what do you think of your team's game against a former champions in city? You know what? First half, we were incredible. Absolutely incredible. For the Antonio goal in the 18th minute, um, there was inklings there of handball. And I think if, th if that was last season, I think that would have been given as handball and the goal would have been chalked off because 
it was in the, the, the same phase as play the same phase of play because I remember us scoring a goal against Sheffield United last season where it comes off one of the Sheffield United players headed it straight into Declan Rice's hand and he played it played off his hand yeah literally couldn't get out of the way of it it's impossible um, and he played it through and then we, and then Snodgrass scored we all celebrated and then it got chalked off that was like the 90th minute equaliser as well but this goal um, it come off Suchet it sort of come off of his top of his chest off the top of his arm um, and then he sort of ran towards the, the corner flag. He then played it to his mate, um, which is, well, it looks like it's Kufal, but apparently it's pronounced Sufal or Supal, like that. Fine. Let's not try and pronounce Czech names. It's Kufal. It's spelled Kufal. We'll call it Kufal because we're English. Um, who first time crosses it in, bang, Antonio goal, cracking goal. Really, really good quality to it. Now, that back five that we've got, especially with Kufal and... Um, Mazuaku on the wing backs, that's really turning up trumps for us because they're getting back and actually defending. Creswell, well, you know what my feelings have always been towards Creswell, Luke, and he's turned into <laughs> oh, he's turned into Maldini all of a sudden. Like, honestly, he's um he's been doing really well in, in, in the centre back role. He's a left centre back, but now that he hasn't now he hasn't been given the the full roam to make those penetrating runs up top as a winger. Um, or as a wing back, he's he's focusing more on actually defending, and he is, is actually working for him. I can't believe it, um, and I can't see him lose, losing his place anytime soon if he continues playing like that. Um, obviously, Foden came on at half time. Agüero apparently was um, wasn't one hundred percent fit for the game, and that he, he was a bit of a doubt before the game, but he played anyway. I was surprised that he started. Um, but yeah, he came off at half time. Foden came on. I, the one thing I want to know on 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 this game, especially from the Man City side, is Foden was arguably one of their best players during the game. That was a really good take, the way he got the goal. He's given too much time in the box, but it was a really good goal. Um, is that both the, both the goal scorers are English, um, which is, is nice to see in the Premier League, especially from bigger teams like Man City, who have got a very, you know, they've got a lot of international players in their team. And Foden's looking like one of those players that I don't think gets talked about as much as other young players like Rice is getting talked about a lot um, Calvin Phillips is getting talked about a lot but Foden I, gets talked about but not to the same aspect as the other guys and he doesn't get into the, the England team like the other boys do so um, it's nice to see him get, get, on, get on the score sheet obviously um, Foden had that hiccup with the England squad and it might have hampered his chances but I'd like to see him getting given a second chance especially if he's going to play like he does for went for Man City for England, so yeah. I mean, the problem so, yeah. he has at City, isn't it? I mean, he's got the likes of De Bruyne, Mares, Sterling, Silva, yeah. Gundogan, all in front of him, and yeah, exactly. It would be but nice to got... see Pep give him more first team football, but at the same time, if you're Man City's owner, you're going to think, hold on, you've got four hundred million worth of midfielders, and you're playing the the kid that cost us nothing. Well, on one hand, the thing. <laughs> you know. But the thing is, that kid can cost that costs us nothing. How much is he worth? Like that's that's the thing. It's like Rice, he cost us nothing, but he's worth eighty million quid to us. Do you know what I mean? Harry Kane cost us people. nothing, and he's worth I would argue four hundred million. But hey, <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, four hundred million. Give it a break. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it was it was a good entertaining game. I'm definitely happy with the point. Um, we were under the cosh in the second half. We were playing like Barcelona, you know, about ten years ago. 
who was playing like Barcelona in the first half, knocking the ball about really well. But obviously Antonio's injured. He's looking he's going to be out for maybe two months, um, six to six weeks to eight weeks, um, which is a big, big loss for us. You know, but it's a good job that um, Gold Rice and Gold Rice, Gold and Sullivan uh, bought in a, a secondary striker to oh wait no they didn't they didn't bring a striker did they because they just went and bought another winger but we've already got eight wingers but let's not get into that okay <laughs> um are you going to beat liverpool next weekend uh if antonio was playing i would have said yes i i i i don't rate liverpool this season especially without van dyke um they look shaky at the back they gave away that penny against sheffield united weren't a penalty by the way in my opinion but we, we'll get to that mm-hmm. um but yeah, I, 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 Liverpool aren't the same team as what they were last season, I don't think. So I reckon we'll, I reckon we'll get something from the game. And I reckon they're worried about playing us. I do. They're probably looking at us thinking, you know what? We struggled against a Sheffield United that are not in form. And now we're playing West Ham, who are one of the most informed teams in the league. So I know we're sitting in 12th, but look at the game. Look at the teams we've played. Like, the teams we've had the hardest run over the past four or five fixtures, easily. So, yeah, looking yep. forward to the game, I must admit. Yep, I think the only, what you haven't, it's just Chelsea and Arsenal, the only two you haven't really played, right? Or, no, we haven't played Arsenal, we lost to Arsenal 2-1. Oh yeah, you did. <laughs> Sorry. It's Man United we haven't played. Ah, right, okay. Well, cool, we'll see what happens next weekend. I personally hope for a 2-2 draw and they're 2-0 up and you score two goals in the final two minutes and um, all of a sudden the, the, the three goals against Spurs are slightly forgot about. Um Perfect. Never forgot about it. You was 3-0 up against that last team in there and the thing, and I thought, I messaged you, hang on, you still got 10 minutes left here. <laughs> I was still worried, to be fair. Um, but then again, I am a Spurs fan. We're just worried for 90 minutes at least every single week. Um, yeah. Right, uh, so the next game then. Uh, so, yeah, final score there, but sorry, West Ham won, City won. Um, next game, Fulham versus Crystal Palace. I'll be honest, I didn't watch this one. I have quickly looked at the highlights um, and watched Match of the Day. I don't know if you're the same, George. Um, I am. Yep, but um, obviously I have all the highlights and I'm going to deliver them to you now. The actual goal um, in, goals in the game were scored by uh, Wilfred Zaha and I don't know his first name, but Riedewald. Riedewald. Revolved yeah. for Crystal Palace and um, Fulham captain Tom Kearney scored in something like the 90th minute, um, kind of like a consolation goal. Um, I've even written down here, he had a crack. So I'm just going to... It was a belter. It An was. absolute belter, yeah. Moving forward, every time a player scores by having a crack, I will put extra emphasis and claim it as a some sort of sponsor um, of the podcast. Sponsored goal by Tom Kearney. Thanks. <laughs> this week. Thank you very much, Tom Kearney. Um, so uh, the lineups uh, for Fulham in goal, uh, Ariola, which I believe is that what you call like a nipple, Ariola. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> sounds like um, sounds like a type of oil. It does, doesn't it? But he's also a Fulham goalkeeper. And um, then you've got <laughs> <laughs> Robins, a defence made up of Robinson, Ream, Adebiaro, Biayo. Sorry about that. Um, and Aina. They're <laughs> just funny names now. Uh, a midfield of Anguissa, Lamina, and Kearney. Um, and up front, you had Ruben Loftus Cheek, Alexander Mitrovic, and Adama Lukman. And for Crystal Palace, uh, you had Wilfred Zaha, Zaha and um, Batshuai, or Bathtub, as my, my dad calls him. Um, and then in midfield, Schlup, Riedewald, Miljovic, 
Townsend um, and a defence of Mitchell, Dan, Kuyate and Klein with Gaeta in goal. Now inside 10 minutes, Riedewald um, was set up by Zaha. Beautiful through ball from Zaha, fooling um, the Fulham defence um, and he just poked it into the goal. Absolutely, you know, great move by Zaha. Uh, Lookman was the main man of threat for Fulham. Uh, he had a few shots from outside the box, but none, none of them actually tested the goalkeeper. They did. He did manage to hit both posts, though, um, but uh, no, no um, actual shots on target that really did test uh, nipple person. Uh, not nipple person, Guaita. Um, Zaha, um, he was clear for a header, uh, but wasted it, and it was actually a golden chance. I actually think my, my nan could score that, uh, and I'm not actually joking. I could just put her where he was and it was there. Just, yeah. Um, and that was thanks to Townsend with a great, great um, almost assist, we'll call it. Um, Zaha then latched onto a Batshuayi cross um, along the face of the goal and um, he slid it into the goal basically and he blasted his knee at the same time um, on the post which did look painful but I'd be lying if I said I didn't chuckle a little bit when I saw it on the highlights um, from a pure comedy sketch point of view I, I hope you're not hurt Wilf um, now second half substitute from Scott Parker saw Kamara or Kamara come on Kamara Kamara, yeah. Um, so he came on, but um, he then got sent off not too long afterwards. He did a uh, nasty tackle, um, which it was, naughty, got, it was naughty. It was. He got, he got a yellow card at first, but then VIR basically yeah. got the ref to go over and have a look. And after a, a, a quick review, he waved away the yellow card and then gave him a red one. Um, yeah. So off, off he went, and rightfully so, it was a horrible one. Remember that um, register? I said that Jordan Pickford should be on for his tar- um, his. Uh, tackle against Van Dyke or Kamara should yeah. probably be on that register as well um, and as we mentioned Captain Kearney he, he had a crack from outside the box uh, with minutes to go um, but unfortunately another loss for Fulham and Scotty Parker one point after six games something's got to happen soon you can see it in Scott's post-match interview in his eye that he is really trying he is really passionate but I think the writing's on the wall for him. It won't be too long till he's out and, and, and someone else um, is brought in to try and salvage um, what's left of Fulham uh, already. Uh, but I, hey, Scotty Parker's a former Tottenham player and a former West Ham captain as well. So maybe you feel slightly different about him, George? Uh, no, I think he'll be there to the end of the season, if I'm honest. Um, I don't, you know, they haven't really invested in the squad that much since they've come up. Um, not like they did like last time they came to the Premier League where they spent £100 million and flopped every single one of them. Mm. Um, they, the, the problem is with Fulham is that their, their defending is diabolical um, and they weren't that attractive or that... Um, they weren't, they weren't, when they were going forward, they weren't um, clinical enough with, with their finishing. And it's proved again. It's proved again. And this is why they keep on having these cracks from outside the box because they can't get the ball in the box. They just they they just can't get get through that back line of the, of the last players, um, so I, I can see Fulham getting relegated. I think most people are thinking they're going to get relegated. It's good to see them having a few more digs at the goal, um, but yeah, like they, they they've got to sort out that back line. And they for them, I would be if I was Scott Parker, I'd be going. You know what? We're up against it. We're, we're looking like we're going to get relegated already. We need to work something out here, either work on the defence or I need to start looking at a couple of reinforcements to bring in in January. Because if they don't do that, 
then I really, really worry for them. You know, then they're not won a game since they've been back in the Premier League. They're not playing teams that are, you know, that at home against Palace, that's a winnable game. Um, and they got, they got, I wouldn't say they got dominated, but they got, they got run. They got run about the park, didn't they? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Palace, on the other hand, Zaha again, clinical for them is, is, is the piece. I was surprised to see Kuyati in the defence because he's more of a midfield player, especially when he was at West Ham. Um, but, yeah, I, 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 I don't particularly like Crystal Palace, if I'm honest. Um, they're not one of my favourite teams in the league. Um, but that's just a personal thing more than anything. <laughs> yeah, I have a friend who really, really does despise Wilfred Zaha. I mean, a, a question about Zaha. Do you think he's going to get another move to a top 16? Or do you reckon he's no. had his lot and he's staying at Palace now? No, I don't. I, personally, with Zaha, I think he's too selfish as, as a football player. Although he did get the assist, um, I think as, as a football player... He um, he tries to be. I think he likes where he is at Palace because he's almost bigger than the club. Do you know what I mean? Um, but if he went to any other team that's in the top six, he's just another player who, you know what, potentially would would struggle to play every single minute like he does at Palace. At Palace, he's the first name on the team sheet every week. You know, um, if he goes to Spurs, where does he get in the team? Oh no, he doesn't. I I think if he does yeah. go to a top six, it will be if Liverpool get a uh, lose Mane or or Salah, yeah, um, exactly. or if or, Chelsea just throw money at him for yeah randomness. I don't think it would be Chelsea. If it would be someone, I reckon it'd be someone like Arsenal because yeah. Arsenal see, need someone like that to play and to play with Aubameyang. So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, the, the, assuming that we're going to talk about Man United and Chelsea next, both those teams seem like teams that might actually need him. So. Yes, well, yes, that does link nicely into the next match. Just to clarify, the final got result again, Crystal Palace 2, uh, Fulham 1. Um, so, yeah, the next game is Manchester United versus Chelsea. Final score, nil nil. Um, I have to be honest, every time I seem to actually watch Man United versus Chelsea, it always ends nil nil. Um but hey ho! So the actual lineups for Manchester United: we had David de Gea in goal with Aaron Wan-Bissaka, Victor Lindelof, Harry Maguire, and Luke Shaw in defence, with Scott McTominay and Fred in midfield. Even though you have Paul Pogba and Donny Van der Beek on the bench, you then have a forward line of Juan Mata, Fernandez, and Daniel James, um, supporting Marcus Rashford up front. For Chelsea, you have in goal uh, Eduardo Mendy. You have a back five, uh, two wing-backs and a three-centre-back partnership. You have Ben Chilwell, Kurt Zuma, Thiago Silva, Cesar Azpilicueta and Rhys James with Kante and Jorginho in midfield supporting Pulisic, Havertz and Werner. Um, now, Manchester United, I personally felt, had the better chances in this match, um, probably by playing by being the home team, and that was it. Uh, Mendy was equal to any chances uh, that, that um, Manchester United put his way, though. You know, good, solid goalkeeping. I think Lampard was right to bring him in and, and, and bench Kepper, um, mm, just, just, just by seeing how solid he is right away. Um, I heard a bit about Mendy, by the way, a couple of seasons ago. He... Uh, he was just the third choice goalkeeper at somewhere like Marseille. And before that he was unemployed um, yeah, and he, he just practiced yeah. football down the, down the field with his mate. So fair play um, just shows that I can go from here to Chelsea's number one goalkeeper in, in three years. If I dedicate myself, surely <laughs> I wouldn't, I'd, I'd want to play for Spurs. Um, but um, 
one thing that has to I have to mention, despite giving him all that praise, he did nearly score one of the most comical own goals um, I have ever seen. He just oh, that's a very crappy pass back um, to, I think it was Azpilicueta, but um, it just went along the face of the goal and then rolled out for a corner. Um, so uh, we won't let him get away completely. And I'm pretty sure it made Lampard poo himself just a little bit um, for, for those few seconds. Um, the main talking point of the match for me was when Harry Maguire decided to be a WWE wrestler instead of um, a footballer, when he decided to simply choke slam Aspilicueta in the penalty box. Um, but equally to Harry Maguire's uh, supposed career in wrestling, I imagine the referee also came from World Wrestling Entertainment because he deemed it as no foul at all and just standard play. Um, so Harry, I, I gave you kudos last week for, for coming uh, off the brink and, and scoring that goal and, and really picking yourself up. Um, but uh, I'm going to shame you by saying you cannot do that in the penalty box and get away with it, even though technically you kind of did. Uh, but overall, uh, I have to be honest, I watched this game with my missus and we were both falling asleep. It wasn't exactly the most scintillating game I've ever seen. But... Um, Hey-ho. Um, Manchester United versus Chelsea, it's, it's hit and miss for me every time I watch it. What about you, George? What do you think? Ball draw, wasn't it? Complete ball draw. Um, you know, there's, there's, you know when you look at fixtures and you go, oh, that'd be a good fixture, or that'd be a good fixture, but you, neither Man United or Chelsea are in particularly good form at the moment. Um, and them two playing each other, I just looked at it and thought to myself, this is going to not be, this is not going to be a good game. It's not going to be a high-scoring game. And I was right. I was right. Nil-nil. And you know what? On the contrary to the last game we talked about with Fulham, and I said Scott Parker would be there at the end of the season, if Chelsea's form continues the way it is, Frank Lampard will not be there at the end of the season because they've spent some serious money this transfer window um, and they don't seem to have improved. Um, I know it's early doors in the season. We've played five or six games. But, you know... Man United at home are there for the taking at the moment um, and, and Chelsea should have cap- capitalised on that and they didn't um, and they've got some quality players in their team. Now I think maybe it just been they might need some time to gel. Personally I know I'm a West Ham fan so I might be a little bit biased and, and this isn't a biased thing to say um, but I don't rate Frank Lombard as a manager that much anyway. He didn't particularly improve Derby when he was there um, and he hasn't particularly improved Chelsea since he's been there. Um, so all right, they finished third last season, but they still didn't. They still had less points than what they had the season before. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's one of the. Yeah, I, I I agree. To be honest, I mean, I think of Chelsea um, teams over the last five to ten years or whatever, and I've been scared of Chelsea. They had Drogba, they had Costa, they had Matic, they had people that yeah. would kill you. Now yeah. they seem to have got. No, no offence to any of them, they're great footballers, but they seem to have got skinny little whippets instead yes. of British yes. Bulldogs. Um, exactly. And it's going to take a while for everyone to get used to that kind of Chelsea, uh, in, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I agree. They lack, they lack strength in that squad, definitely. Mm. Um, especially up top. Like you, don't, you don't see Havertz doing what Antonio's doing in like being bullish on the ball. Like that's not the type of player he is. He's the type of slot the ball through to me and I'll put it in the back of the net type player. Mm. Um, and I, I think I, th- I think Chelsea need a player. They're playing the same formations what West Ham are playing with very different players. Um, mm. Not in terms of quality, but in just terms of how, how they play their football and how they base their game on. Um, yep. so, I mean, yeah. 
an honourable mention also must go out to Edison Cavani, who made his Manchester United debut from oh, the Oh, he almost scored with his first touch. <laughs> he did with his first touch. Almost scored. He's got a hell of a face. It looked like it was chiselled out of stone, in my opinion. You know what? You know what? I, like, I look at Cavani and I just see Mickey Flanagan. <laughs> He's going out. Honestly, out. <laughs> get, get, get a picture of Cavani and a picture of Mickey Flanagan next to each other and then look at them and you go, wow. Yeah, they look like they look alike. Oh, I think they do anyway. No, I'm going to have to tweet him after this now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, fair play. You know, he made his debut and like I say, he nearly scored um, with his first touch. I think he did all right for the short amount of time he got on there. And I think he yeah. does add an extra dimension to Manchester United. If anything, I think he's the type of striker that Chelsea should have got. He he fits the mould of a, of, a, of, a, of a striker like Drogba and Costa for me over Werner. But, yeah. uh, um, Experienced as well. Yeah, but they've got him for two seasons, and I'm sure he's gonna he's gonna do better than the likes of Falcao and Sanchez did at United, just based on his first touch alone. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean so, that's the that's the risk that they've taken, though, isn't it? Because um, a lot of people are going, well, this is just another Falcao. Like, do you know what I mean? That's what they're looking at, thinking that's going to be the exactly the same outcome. And I hope it's not for for him more than Man United. I don't, I'm not particularly caring about United, but, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is hard to do a Premier League review podcast when you do hate some of the other teams. But hey, hey <laughs> what, what, what are you going to do? Uh, but guys, yes, that was Manchester United nil, Chelsea nil. Um, one point each doesn't really help either one of them in their title ambitions. But I think if you offered it to both Ollie and Lampard um, at the start of the game, they probably would have taken it. Yeah. Right, uh, the next game on our list is Liverpool versus Sheffield United. So final score, Liverpool 2, Sheffield United 1. The Liverpool squad was as followed. You had Alisson returning from injury in goal. That is massive for them, in my opinion, because I think if they had Adrian in goal for this game, they probably either would have drawn or or worse lost. You had Trent Alexander-Arnold, Fabinho in centre-back role where Van Dijk would be, Gomez and Robertson, Wijnaldum and Henderson in midfield, supporting Jota, Firmino, Mane and Salah. Uh, for Sheffield United, I'll be honest with you, I d- haven't really followed Sheffield United, so I don't know if I'm pronouncing any of these names right um, or who <laughs> some of these players are. I know Brewster because I know they signed him from Liverpool for a massive fee this season. You had yeah. Bernie up front as well. A midfield of someone called Osborne, Ludstrom, Ampadu, Berg and Bulldog. And uh, three centre-backs, I imagine, uh, Stevens, Egan and Basham with Ramsdale, who I do know, um, in goal is the number one. Uh, now, this match obviously um, comes at a weird time for Liverpool. I, I don't think they want to play a team like Sheffield United at the moment. Um, to be honest, I don't think they want to play any team in the Premier League at the moment. Um, but hey-ho. Um, Alexander-Arnold, he tried to catch the keeper out early on um, uh, from a... I believe it was from a, a free kick, but I could be wrong. Uh, he tried he to catch did the he did, didn't he? Yeah. Um, but the real talking point came when Sheffield United were given a penalty, um, as George already alluded to a bit earlier on, shrouded in controversy because of it being outside the box. And if a foul happens outside of the box, it's not a penalty. Um, and I don't think it was. I think it wasn't even on the line either after I've reviewed it as well. But in a nutshell, uh, Fabinho uh, fouls the Sheffield United player um, literally on the cusp of the six uh, of the penalty box um it took a little while to review it but eventually it's given as a penalty much to Fabinho's dismay 
Uh, and of course, um, they stepped up Sheffield United through Berg, the midfielder, and he buried it to make it 1 0. A bit later on, Sheffield United um, very briefly were claiming for handball uh, when the ball hit Robertson's hand um, during a, a little a little defensive move that they had. Um, I think if that happened at the beginning of the season, it probably would have been given because the handball rule has been recently reviewed according to the commentators yeah. in the game. Um, but obviously since that review, lucky Liverpool get away with it. And of course, that was not a foul or a handball or anything like that. Um, so they played on. Uh, it's worth noting that the likes of McBurney and Osborne did have a plethora of good chances in the first half to really put Liverpool to the sword. So by no means are Liverpool playing with the strength they had in defence without Van Dijk. Um, you know, you can plaster it up as much as you want with this 2-1 win. They are in trouble defensively. And a more clinical finisher um, in terms of strikers that Sheffield United obviously don't have, but maybe the likes of West Ham will have, will bury some of those chances. As long as it doesn't go to four nows. Uh, in my opinion. <laughs> um, um, to be honest, Sheffield United were playing like they should be higher. You know, some of the some of the stuff they put together, I'm really, really surprised they are where they are in the league at the moment. Um, but unfortunately for them, uh, it didn't pan out the way they wanted. Uh, Mane had a header. Uh, saved by uh, Ramsdale, but unfortunately it was saved only as far as the path of Firmino, who tucked it in a proper poacher's goal, 1-1. Salah then had an amazing set of touches in the boxes to put them 2-1 up, uh, which was against the run of play, but it was then ruled out, rightly so, uh, for offside, thanks to VAR. So, shout out to VAR there. Um, However, this did seem to give Liverpool the confidence that they really needed. Um, And like so many times last season, when they weren't playing well, Liverpool somehow managed to get the second goal. And this one was through a Jota header, uh, the new £45 million man. So, George, what are your thoughts? The penalty, Liverpool, Sheffield United, fire away. Um, I first of all thought it wasn't a penalty. Um, which is it's a difficult thing right because it's almost like the offside rule where it's such a fine line now um, and the claim is that it was on the line right and I get it if it's on the line part of the box it's like if it's on the line at the edge of the pitch it's still part of the pitch right so I get that um, but for me it wasn't even on the line um, the challenge was outside the box um, obviously he was travelling into the box so it looks like it's you know further in than what it is but VAR gave it uh, it's quite funny, though, because Liverpool have gone from last season to getting pretty much all of the t- decisions in VAR go for them. And people were calling them like Liverpool, um, where this season they seem to be having, you know, I mean, Liverpool fans are complaining about the, the correct decisions that are going against them at the moment. Like the, like the Salah goal. I've, had, I've seen Liverpool fans going, oh, we're never getting those decisions anymore. I'm like, it's the correct decision. What are you talking about? Like, um and so they've turned it into crybaby pool. I call them crybaby pool because um, all the Liverpool fans just seem to be complaining that they're not getting any of the decisions. Well, you know what? Um, stuff them because I'm glad they're not getting decisions because last year they got all the decisions. And even the season before that, I remember we played Liverpool. Um, we was winning 1-0 and they scored a goal and the geezer was so far offside he was nearly in Bethnal Green. So, and they gave it. He got the goal. So... Yeah, Liverpool. I don't, I don't. I don't. I don't like Liverpool. I think. I think they're another team there. They're another top six team that are there for the taking, definitely. Um, and and that shows with um, 
who's the, who's the guy that came on and, and gave away the penalty? Fabinho. Um, Fabinho is the one that replaced Van Dijk in, in the back line and he gave away a penalty. So I, I think they're going to be worried about that. I'm glad that Van Dijk isn't playing because it looks like we're going to be having Haller up top when we play Liverpool next week. And, you know, we're going to need to be getting four nails and Bowen whipping balls in the box because they don't particularly have the height that they had before. So yeah. I think that would be our game plan against them. But um, shout out to, to Jota, Diego Jota, whatever you want to call him. Um, when he went to Liverpool, I was like, 45 million quid for Diogo Jota. I was like, you are joking me, aren't you? That is ridiculous. And then you see that people like that teams like Everton have paid 35 million quid for Alex Iwobi. You go, oh, that's not bad, actually. You know what? That's not a bad deal for Jota, seeing as they've paid 35 million quid for Iwobi, who's absolutely useless. Um, so, um, yeah, good game. Good game. I, I, I'm on a different side of the fence to you with, with Sheffield United as well. I um, I don't rate them that much this season. I think they're going to go down, personally. I think they're going to be one of the... I think last year, they were one of the biggest overachievers. Um, and I think this year, they are definitely on second season syndrome. And I think they're going to be struggling um, and, and will finish bottom five. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, my, my relegation three seems to change every week. Well, I say three one of them teams to go West Brom and Fulham um, and that yeah. third spot seems to change every week sometimes I think it's going yeah. to be Burnley um, at the start of the season I thought it was going to be West Ham I don't think you're going to be anywhere near it if I'm honest now um, yeah. a, a part of me thinks Newcastle because just how cool. it's, it's a, it, just how they have been this season their luck yeah. can't last forever so we'll we'll, we'll see but um Okay, cool. So yeah, final score two one to Liverpool. Um, another a win under their belt with Van Dyke, but obviously very tricky game against West Ham next weekend. Uh, from Liverpool to Everton, we'll stay in Merseyside, um, even though we're technically going to Southampton because it was Southampton versus Everton. Yeah, at, South, <laughs> at Southampton, um, I was in the car listening to this one and I nearly crashed uh, because Southampton bloody won two nil. Yeah, absolutely brilliant Um, because obviously they're top of the league when they're top of the league they're there to be shot down and Southampton shot with both barrels Um, Digny um, the left back for Everton ended up seeing red in this game after basically chasing um, down Kyle Walker-Peters you could see in Digny's eyes he was determined to catch him by the looks of it with every intention of actually killing the lad Um, so he caught up with him Right to the back of his feet, and rightfully so, was sent off. But a bit more about the game. Obviously, Everton were going in unbeaten, um, so um, unlucky. <laughs> um, obviously, they are coming off the back of a draw with Chelsea. You had Southampton as well, so they're buoyed by their recent performances there. Godfrey made a debut for Everton, which we'll get to the squad in just a second. Um, and remember, the likes of Richarlison was suspended. So the full lineup in Southampton, you had Alex McCarthy in goal, uh, a back line of Kyle Walker-Peters, Bednarak, I don't know who he is, um, Vestergaard and Bertrand. And then in midfield, you had Armstrong returning from the illness around the world at the moment. Ward-Prowse, Romeo and Redmond. And then up front, Danny Ings and Che Adams, who are being very, very deadly at the moment. Um, at Everton, because of the suspensions from the last game and some weird selection choices, I think, uh, from uh, from Carlo Ancelotti. Jordan Pickford in goal, Digny, Keane, Mina and Godfrey started at right back. 
for his debut. Midfield of Alan Decore, and he gave a start to Sigurdsson. And then up front, you had Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who failed to score for the first time uh, in the Premier League this season. James Rodriguez, who I'm told wasn't 100% fit, which might account to why they did lose. Um, and on the left, as George mentioned earlier, he mentioned his name, Iwobi. Um, yeah. Which was just out of the blue. I completely forgot he was an Everton player, if I'm completely honest with you. Um, now, in terms of what actually happened in the match, Ward Prowse um, scored after a great finish, uh, taking it right past Pickford. And Adams then latched on top of a cross on 35 minutes, with Ings being the provider. Um, at this point, every other team with title aspirations were rubbing their hands together, and I was obviously crashing my car as mentioned. Um, Ancelotti smelt that there was problems and straight away took off uh, Iwobi and replaced him with Bernard uh, at the start of the second half. And I have to say Southampton, you know, they really took it to Everton in this game and any other club watching this thinking, how can we handle Everton? They just showed you, you know, if you have a good balance between defence and and playing them at their own game, you can probably get past them um, and, and hope that Ancelotti stupidly plays Iwobi again. Um, but George, what do you think about um, Everton's first loss of the season and, and Southampton obviously bouncing back from a rocky start? Yeah, I, I was watch, I watched this game on my phone um, while I was making dinner, actually, funny enough. Um, but I was very surprised with Southampton, especially in the first half, because um, Southampton, uh, they, they remind me very much of West Ham. They sometimes play it like, really well and there are times where they just are absolutely awful. Um, and they played really well today. On the flip side, Everton were not very good. Um, I do think they miss Richarlison quite a lot as an outlet um, and, and his presence. Um, Digney, as you call him, which is actually Luca Dean. He's just, it's just Dean, you just call him Dean. Um, his red card, uh, I, I don't think was a red card personally. And I think um, he was just chasing down the player and accidentally trod on him. Um, it was deemed a serious foul play, but it's not, I don't think it was, in, it, I don't think it was in, intentional at all. Um, he was just chasing him down, and that, and he was—he's too quick for him, and he accidentally trod on his on his heel, so or his calf. So it's one of—I think it's one of those where it's it's down to opinion on that. Um, on a different day, I don't reckon a referee would have sent him on. Like if a different referee, I don't reckon would have sent him off, would have given him a yellow. I I would have given him a yellow for it because it was careless, but I don't think it was reckless, you know. So. Um, they, they have appealed that red card, just to clarify, and his yeah. suspension has been reduced from three games to one. So I think yeah. um, someone kind of agrees with both of us and, and made a decision accordingly. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, Ward Prowse, he's one of those players, isn't he, Ward Prowse, where a couple of years ago, teams were looking at him thinking he's a decent player. He's going to be playing for England. Um, quite, is he English? I think he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's going to be playing for England quite regularly. Um, and I know that West Ham fans especially were saying Ward Prowse is a player that we could do with. Definitely take Ward Prowse, especially because there was a season where Southampton were on the brink of going down, weren't they? Um, and they might have miraculously saved themselves. And I know that a lot of teams are rubbing their hands thinking they were going to get Ward Prowse on the cheap. Um, che Adams, again, I'm, I'm surprised by him. He seems to have settled now in Southampton after coming from, I think it was Birmingham uh, in the Championship. Um, it's a big step up from a team like Birmingham who aren't particularly... Um, firing on the cylinders in the championship. So, yeah, fair play to Southampton. Um, they, they played well in that game. Um, obviously, you could Everton could blame a number of factors. You know, it's a very long travel. Like it's a long trip down to down to the south coast. Um, it's they're, they're losing one of their best players. But you know what? On the day, Southampton were just better team. Simple as. So, 
I think they just, they'll just lift their, they'll just you know pick their heads up and go again. I don't know who they've got next week. I haven't looked, but oh, I just had a look. They've got Newcastle away next week, followed by Man United at home. So the next right. two games. Yeah, so I think they'll be looking at that Newcastle game, thinking that's a winnable game. Let's win that game, and get back up on to where we was. So, mm. so yeah. Okay. Yep. Final score, as I mentioned, Southampton two. Everton nil. Next up, we come to Wolves versus Newcastle. Again, I have to admit, this isn't a game I watched. I've just watched the highlights on Match of the Day and had a look um, at some of the commentary online. Um, but um, long story short, another draw for Newcastle. Um, and to be honest, uh, whenever Newcastle and Wolves meet, they, they tend to draw more often than not. Um, going into this game, uh, both goalkeepers had some interesting stats. Um, Patricio um, has the most clean sheets in this campaign so far. And Darlo um, in the Newcastle goal um, has made the most saves this season. I know that firsthand because of all the saves he made against Spurs. Um, so the lineup was for Wolves, Raul Patricio in goal with Bolly, Cody and Kilman in defence. A midfield of Saiz. Neves, Dendonka, and Semido. I think Semido is also playing as right wing back. And then you had Neto, Jimenez, and Podence up front. Uh, for Newcastle, in goal, you had Darlo, as mentioned. You had a back five of Jamal Lewis, Fernandez, Lascelles, Shah, and Murphy. The midfield of Fraser, Hendrick, and Almiron, supporting St. Maxim and um, Wilson up front. Um, long story short, 80 minutes in. Raul Jimenez had a crack, which is now sponsoring the Have a Crack podcast on Spotify. Um, and Darlo couldn't do anything about it. Uh, it seemed quite even throughout the game. Neither team seemed determined enough to win it, um, at least for the first 80 minutes. And then the goal kind of brought a tiny bit of life to it. With Wolves thinking they've won it, they started to strut their stuff, I felt. Uh, with five minutes to go, um, as they seem to do this season, somehow Newcastle managed to get a decision their way and got a free kick, um, which um, was quite interesting how they did it, really. They lined up and they had the likes of of Murphy, the, the right back, and Almiron uh, standing over it. And obviously, if you're a betting man, you'll say, well, Almiron's going to take that because he's the attacking player. Um, and I think he's taken a few free kicks this season. And I imagine every other Wolves player was thinking exactly the same thing. Uh, but out of nowhere, Murphy was the one who took it. He killed it round the wall. And wouldn't you know it, it went into the net to make it 1-1. Um, but that's all I've really got for this match. It was a draw. Like I said, not neither team really wanted to win, so I don't think either team deserved to win. But, um, hey, it's a point that I'm sure Newcastle will take uh, and Wolves will probably look back at this at the end of the season and say we, sh- we should have won that game. George, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, Wolves don't seem to be as clinical this season as what they were last season. Um, and, and, and Newcastle, I thought they were going to be a lot better than what they are, especially after they gave us that drumming the first game of the season. Um, so... The one thing I'll say about Wolves is um, attacking-wise, um, you, you worry about them. And um, I don't know if that's got anything to do with them being pretty much the Portuguese national team, but they're, they're, they're defending well and they go forward very well. They're, they're attractive to watch, you know. Um, Newcastle, they've brought in a few fresh faces, fresh faces which they needed to do. Um, and they, they just seem to be a bit of a... I don't know how to explain that. Not like a nobody team, but they're just very, very middle ground team at the moment where you sort of, you don't think, I look at Newcastle and I think they're not going to get relegated, but they're not going to finish top half. Do you know what I mean? They're sort of a nothing team this season. Um, 
So that's whereas Wolves, I think they you know obviously they're challenging for Europe. It's different. Um, however, oh, the Jimenez goal was a cracker again. Um, the Murphy goal, the free kick. Now um, Patricio, the goalie, Wolves yep. goalie. Uh, he's got to take a good hard look at himself because he's the one. He you know he's the one that sorts out the wall. He tells the wall where to stand. He's the one that left that gap on his near side post. That ball, if you're if you're facing the goal, right, where the where the goal where the free kick was, it was to the right hand side. If you're facing the goal, now you look at you normally have a, a, a free kick there. You're thinking left footer over the wall into either the top right or the top left, probably the top right because that's where the wall normally is, right? Um, Murphy steps up, right foot, curls it round the wall, didn't even curl it that much as well. And it just goes into the bottom right-hand corner of the goal. And Patricio's nowhere near it. So Patricio's got to, got to look at himself there. Because that, 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 for me, is a mistake on his part. And for such a quality goalkeeper with the experience he's got, he shouldn't be making those mistakes. Although he doesn't make many mistakes, but I do think that was one of his one of his mistakes it cost them the cost them the game eventually so so yeah yeah i think they are suffering wolves a bit since losing jota um i don't think they replaced him well enough yeah agreed. um i think he gelled that front three together quite well and newcastle like you say i was very impressed with what they did in the summer st maxim getting a six-year contract yeah. wilson and fraser coming in from bournemouth arguably exactly. bournemouth's best players um jamal lewis from norwich i thought was a was a steal i thought he was yeah. as good if not better than than max Ahrens, who is linked to the likes of barcelona Bayern munich and all those other yeah. ones as well agreed <clears throat> As I said, they brought in these fresh faces and they've improved the, improved the squad, but I just don't see them challenging for anything. And yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's almost like, um, how, how do you explain it? There's another, if you had another team, who's pretty much safe. Maybe possibly West Ham or Palace. <laughs> you look, put those teams and they're sort of like end of the game, end of the season games where um, it doesn't really matter. Do you know what I mean? The result doesn't matter because they're, they're still going to finish in, the, in, in that area. They're a mid, they're a mid to low, like table table team. Um, so there are aspirations there, obviously, to get it, but they're just I don't think they do. Yep. Well, if this season has taught us anything so far, anything can bloody happen. So who knows? Yeah. True. Um, but yeah, true. final score: Wolves one, Newcastle one. Uh, next up, um, Arsenal took on Leicester at the Emirates. Um, now I'm a Spurs fan, so I will um, do this with as much dignity as possible. In goal for Arsenal, you had Leno um, at uh, in the defence. You had five at the back, um, two wing backs and three centre backs. You had David Luiz, Gabriel, and Xhaka, um, which shocked me a little bit. Um, you had Kieran Tierney and Bellerin um, as the wing backs. Uh, Real Madrid loney uh, Danny Cabellos, and a home debut for Thomas Partey in midfield, with a front three of Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. Alexander Lacazette and Saka. Uh, for Leicester, Vardy didn't start because I think he was recovering from a little injury he picked up. So up front was actually Harvey Barnes. Behind him was James Madison um, and uh, Priette. Uh, in midfield, um, again, they played with wing-backs. So you had uh, Justin, who's a former Luton player, just up the road from where I am here in Stevenage. Um, Mendy, yeah. <laughs> Mendy, Tillemans and Castagna. Um, with a back three of Fuchs, Evans and Fofana uh, with Schmeichel obviously in goal. Lots of yellow cards in this game with three Arsenal players and five Leicester players from those starting 11s all being booked. So you can tell from that stat it was a bit of a scrappy one. 
Um, some stats to throw at you. Arsenal had 12 shots on goal with only four of them being on target. Leicester had half that with six. Um, so it just goes to show you um, that you don't have to have the most shots in game to walk away from it with all three points. Um, but yeah, the foul stats, Arsenal did 13 fouls in that game, Leicester nine, so over 20 fouls between the two. Um, I'm going to steal a, another stat from the commentators of this game, September 1973, the last time Leicester won at Arsenal in the Premier League. Some of these stats are unreal, uh, you know, I wouldn't have guessed that, especially during Leicester's champions, uh, championship winning, um, well, I would have thought they'd have done it. Well, but, especially considering the Premier League started in 92. Oh, there you go. Um, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, and obviously, yeah, as I mentioned, home debut for party, but there was no party in North London that night. Oh, you ruined it. I was going to say, <laughs> they, they ruined the party. No, literally every time he's, pa- he's playing, there's going to be a party pun. Yeah, absolutely going to be. Um, so to start off the game, Arsenal celebrated quite early on because they thought they were uh, in on goal um, and it was in the back of the net. Uh, Xhaka, unfortunately, though, was in an offside position. He jumped over the ball, um, but he was deemed to be um, sort of affecting play. I think also Lacazette, there was a question over his position as well. George may be able to clarify a bit later. Uh, but long story short, he was judged to be um, in a position that uh, would have affected the goalie, so it was ruled out. Um, special mention to Tierney, uh, the, the, the left wing back, the, the guy they got from Celtic. He started causing all sorts of issues for Leicester. Um, but uh, unfortunately, none of the Arsenal front men could latch on to any of his really good crosses. Um, so a shout out from a Spurs fan um, to an Arsenal player there. Um, Brendan Rodgers obviously looked at his bench and re- remembered he had Vardy there, so Brought him on for Harvey Barnes um, in the second half. Uh, Bellerin forced to have a tackle that almost saw him pick up a second yellow card, which obviously would have got him sent off. Um, But uh, I'm glad he didn't because then he had a crack, uh, sponsored by the Have a Crack podcast on Spotify, um, which was stopped by Schmeichel. Um, So it wasn't the best crack in the world, but he did have one nevertheless. Um, a quick Leicester break then saw Under, who they've signed on loan from, from Roma. He squared the ball to Vardy, who scored the most FIFA-type goal I've ever seen for a while. Um, and now, with his head, uh, and now Leicester, Leicester have handed Arsenal their first defeat by them for, good God, I don't even know how many years that is, 40 years? Um, yeah. And he's added that to his collection because... Believe it or not, Vardy always scores against Arsenal. Um, so Arsenal defeated. Arteta's hair still unchanged, though, after um, what I said on a podcast a, a while back. Absolutely perfect hair, but he seemed to keep it all in despite the loss. But uh, three points for Leicester, no points for Arsenal. George, what do you think? It's incredible, right, this is. And, and there's, there's two reasons why I, I, I like this game for, for what it is. One, because... Arsenal normally get a result against Leicester. Um, and the, the stats that you've shown has proved that. Um, secondly, um, when uh, Unai Emery came into Arsenal, um, I'm not sure how, I can't remember what the game, what the stats were. I think it's like 28 games or something like that. But Emery has a better uh, win record than what Arteta had uh, has now. And no one, no one is on Arteta's back at the moment about, about the way that they are. And the results of the game. Arsenal should be, and they, I know they strive to be a top four team. Um, and they, they, they haven't been performing like that. Now, the party signings obviously, you know, improve them. And, I've, and I said to you, I don't know if it was said to you, Boog, is that I look at party and he's a good player, but 
I haven't obviously I haven't seen him week in week out so I went and looked at his stats and I was like well Declan Rice's stats are better than parties I'm a West Ham fan obviously I'm going to be a bit biased in it but when you look at stats like that you think well you know how much how much is he, how much is he going to actually improve the team a lot because they needed someone there um but the, the, as you said, the goal from Vardy, classic FIFA goal, very pen- penetrative run down the side, whip the ball in, bang, goal. That was it. Where were the defenders? They were not, not even there, nowhere near them. Nope. Um, good goal. Um, nothing that Leno could do about it as well. Um, it was just, it was just one of those games where you look at the result and you go, oh, it's probably a boring game, but it was actually it was quite decent. And the Arsenal goal that was disallowed, well, I think is a joke as well, personally, because. They, he deemed he was deemed to be um, interfering with play or being in the line of the vision of the goalie. Well, the ball came in from the side and it went past the goalie and the player that was deemed to be interfering with play, um, the ball would have had to gone past the goalie before it had gone past him. Hmm. So I don't know how they came up with that decision. But again, this, the, uh, there's going to be a common theme that when we discuss and review games, that VAR is always going to come into account, especially when there are decisions like that. Um, I, 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 again, I think that should have, that should have stood as as a neutral, um, and that game would have obviously been one all. Again, Arsenal and Leicester, I think they're going to finish similar positions in the league. I don't think the effect is going to be maybe one or two positions between them. Um, Leicester really let it slip at the end of last season, so they are. Um, I think they're they when they started the season, they weren't particularly in the best of form, so. Yeah, they need. They need the, these are the kind of results they need to get back on form. Yeah, I mean, I was I was hearing on um, Talk Sport, um, I think it was yesterday or today, that it's been two years to the day since the Leicester owner died in the helicopter car crash. Um, so, again, a little bit of a shout out to to his family for all the great work they're doing at Leicester, and hopefully he was watching at the weekend uh, from wherever he is and uh, being very proud. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Leicester have got one of the best owners in the league as well. I like their owners. They're decent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what you said about VAR, yeah, very interesting. Probably VAR needs its own podcast. I read a really interesting blog the other day about how VAR should be, I think, is it like tennis where you only get three challenges on decisions a game? Oh, 100%. And it's up to the manager. Are you going to challenge it? Yes or no. And if you say no, you just go with whatever the ref decides. Um, and yeah. that could probably improve it because then you... <laughs> yeah, I think that would just add a bit more drama and allow some of the decisions to stand um, yeah. with whatever the, the, the uh, referee said. But uh, who knows? The game is forever evolving, right? Well, I don't think the manager should do that, by the way. I think the captain of the club should be the one that makes the, the yeah, call, good the VAR, yeah. because that's what they do at cricket, isn't it, and stuff like that. So um, obviously the captain's on the pitch, so he can like, sh- straight away speak to the player that's involved and go, do you reckon you was off or do you reckon you handballed it or whatever? Yeah, yeah. did you actually handball um, it? <laughs> Fair enough. Like, oh, when I when I watched the West Ham game and, and Suchet, you could see them, like Suchet was like, oh, touch my hand. And like, Antonio was like, oh, man. You could see the look on their face. They thought it was going to get chalked off and it didn't. So anyway, digressing. Interesting. Yes, only two games left to go. Um, nearly at the end. The next one's quite a simple one to review: Brighton versus West Brom. Final score one one. Uh, it was uh, Monday night football, I believe. Um, I was more focused well, Monday, on 
Monday tea time football. Monday tea time football. Uh, yep, I'll run through the teams real quickly. Brighton, Ryan in goal with a backline of Webster, Veltman and Byrne. Midfield of March, Bissouma, White and Lamptey with Lalana and Trossard um, supporting Morpay on the pie or however you say his name. Mopay. Mopay, thank you very much. Um, and from a West Brom's point of view, uh, Johnston in goal with Furlong, and he said Furlow, Furlong, Ivanovic, a JE and Townsend at the defence. Livermore uh, in the centre defensive midfield position. Perea, Gallagher, Kravinovic uh, and Diangana, George, um, up yeah. front supporting um, Grant, um, who got a goal later on, which we'll get to. Uh, in summary, guys, Lalana and Lamptey for Brighton were the source of most of the stuff, of the good stuff that was coming from the, the Seagulls. Shout out to Lamptey, um, especially because I think he's been quite quite class this season. Every time I've watched Brighton, he has always been in the thick of it. Um, and to be honest, they're another team that I don't think deserve to be in the position they are in. I think um, their performances have justified probably more points on the board. Um, but hopefully not next weekend because they play Spurs. Um, own goal from Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool. Livermore uh, put Brighton ahead um, after um, Lamptey's cutback from uh, the goalie box. Um, basically, Livermore and one of the other players, I think it was Kravinovic, um, was, they just got their feet modelled up. They fell over the ball and it went in the goal, basically. It was Ivanovic. Ivanovic, cool. Had an, had an itch in it. Um, then uh, West Brom eventually grew into the game with Kravinovic having some good efforts from outside the box. Um, but unfortunately, they were just going wide of the goal every time. But eventually, they got um, their luck and Grant managed to stick it in um, to peg Brighton back to another draw for the season for them. A point doesn't really help West Brom. It, it, um, it puts them, I think it doubles their tally for the season. But that doesn't really help them. They're still in the relegation battles. And Brighton, as I said, they'll be looking for more out of these games. The likes of Welbeck, um, obviously signing for Brighton will give them a bit of a boost. And as you look over that squad, when you've got the likes of Ryan in goal, who's good, Lamptey's coming on well, Lalana and Welbeck in there as well. They will build on this season as long as they can survive this horrible luck that they've had. Uh, George, what do you think? Brighton, West Brom. Yeah, you know what? There's a couple of things about this game that I saw. Um, first of all, Livermore. He's one of those players where you're like, is he still playing? Like, do you know what I mean? It was one of those players where I completely forgot about him. <laughs> um, so I was surprised to see him as on, on, the, on the team sheet. And I was like, I completely forgot about him. Um, I mean, I've got a soft spot for West Brom because obviously Slavin Bilic and Julian Dix. But um, one thing I did notice about, or one stat I noticed about Brighton is they haven't won at home at all this season. And I don't think they've won at home since like June, something like that. They haven't won at home since June. Mm. Um, and obviously there are the teams that are especially in the bottom half of the league, they rely on their home form. And with obviously there's no fans, but I, I remember the Brighton, uh, the Brighton owner saying that we, they, they make all of their, their, their training and that their training areas and everything is all the same as their stadium. It's all the same. So they get the same feel as they're going into the stadium when they do into their training facilities. Um, so Brighton are losing or not winning games and they've still got that home advantage. Little advantage is what it is anyway, but they've still got that home advantage, um, which is, I would be worried if I was a Brighton fan looking at that, those, those statistics, especially when you're having teams like West Brom um, and you're having to rely on own goals to, to get something from the game. Um, 
Grant, obviously, he's come from Huddersfield, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it's only his second game in. Um, so it was good for him to get on the, on, on, on the score sheet as late as in, in the game as it was. Um, I hope I hope West Brom do better than what they, everyone thinks they are. Um, I just don't think they've got the squad to do it. Dean Garner didn't really do anything like at, at the game. He normally is, is is running rings around players, but he didn't really do much um, against Brighton. It was a bit. It wasn't a boring game to watch, but it was one of those games where you go, yeah, you know what? You could probably see that happening, like low scoring draw. So, yeah, yeah. Yep, so yeah, final score there. Brighton won, West Brom won. One thing you might be able to help me out with, George, because it was on a podcast the other day um, and I didn't actually know the answer. They called Brighton versus Crystal Palace a derby. Can you explain why it's a derby to me? Um, it's, it, I don't know exactly why it's a derby, to be honest, but I know that they're, the, that they're their main rivals. I, um, I, I came up with the fact that Eagles don't like seagulls and therefore... You know, maybe something yeah. happened with the mascots one point, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I couldn't come up with anything. Okay, yeah. well, there's some homework. I don't, I don't think you know what. I think, I think, what's it called? The M23 derby or something? Something like that. I think it's because one's at the top of the M23 and one's at the bottom, something like that, I believe. <laughs> okay, um, fine. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll look into it and confirm on the next podcast, all you eager listeners. Um, yeah. Right. Um, last game, my boys. Burnley versus Tottenham Hotspur. I'll run through the starting 11s. You have Nick Pope in goal for Burnley with a um, defensive line of Lowton, Long, Tarkovsky and Taylor because obviously Ben Mee is still sidelined. And you had a midfield of Goodmanson, Westwood, Brownhill um, and McNeil with Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood. Very, very dangerous too um, up front. For Tottenham, uh, Hugo Lloris uh, stays in goal for number one. A back line of Ben Davies at left back, Eric Dyer and Toby Alderweireld um, at centre back, and Matt Doherty or Doherty, I can't remember how you actually say his last name, um, at right back. Doherty, yeah, Doherty. Uh, midfield um, of Hoiberg and Sizoko with Hyunming Song, Tangi Undumbele, and Lucas supporting Harry Kane. And for me, Jose summed up this match before it even started. Um, and uh, he said, if you're watching this game, expecting Spurs to, to blow Burnley away 4-0, 5-0 or thrash them, that's not what you're going to see. Burnley will make it very, very tough, and they, and they did. And I think they'll make yeah. it tough for anyone who comes to them in the top 10 this season because they will just set up exactly the same way. They will defend like their lives utterly depend on it, and their strikers can hurt you on the counter. Now, obviously, they were at home, so they were on the front foot a bit more. Yet, they still allowed Spurs to have the majority of possession. I mean, to, to give you um, some more background as to how solid their defence was, Spurs, the team that have scored three against West Ham, that have scored six against Manchester United um, and, uh, and all the other goals in Europe that we've scored, we managed no shots on target in the first half. Not one. And we had the likes of Kane and Song and Lucas all on the pitch. Um, it became more and more clear to me as time went on that one of these teams was going to win 1-0. And I honestly thought it was Burnley because Burnley got on the end of a header um, of a corner. I think it was Tarkovsky and it was going in the goal. But luckily, our striker, Harry Kane, was on the line and he managed to clear it with his head. Uh, and it was just as important as a goal the other end. And it really, really did... Um, sort of buoy us um, as, as a team. And we went up the other end. We got our own corner 
and uh, it was played in. Harry Kane then flicked it on with his head. I don't know how the hell he managed it at that angle. And Sonny, who didn't even know the assist came from Kane, managed to get a header to it and, and put it past Pope to get one goal. And obviously there was still, I think, 10 minutes or 15 minutes left to play in the game. Um, and obviously um, haunting memories of what happened against Newcastle and West Ham started to flood back when we scored you know, my hands went in, my head went in my hands. I, I was praying to God. I was like, right, that's it. Just let it end. Um, but now I had to endure 15 more minutes of, of sheer frustration. Um, but yeah, that was the, the kind of thing. Other headlines uh, rode on. Uh, the new centre-back Spurs signed uh, did get five minutes um, on the pitch at the end. And Burnley had their chances. You know, Chris Wood and, and Barnes and Westwood, they had some proper cracks on goal. Um, but obviously we've got a World Cup winner and French number one, Laurie goal, and he did really, really well to catch some shots, especially from a corner. He claimed a couple in the dying moments that really, really showed how good he was and also how terrible the corners were, I suppose. Jose, you could see him ticking along on the sidelines. He doesn't, he wasn't really animated. He was just watching. And you could see he changed his subs halfway through as well. For a moment before the goal, we were looking to bring on Vinicius um, to try and get us that much needed goal. But as soon as the goal went in, Vinicius sat down, Lacelso warmed up um, and um, obviously Rodon uh, also came on uh, as well. And Lamella also gave us the much needed spark in the second half. Uh, as well. Uh, the main talking points that came out of this one is obviously um, Kane and Son linking up to get another combination. They are now joint second with the likes of Silva and Aguero and Pires um, and Henri as the best partnerships in Premier League history. The only partnership better than them is Drogba and Lampard with 36. So seven more goals and assists from Kane and Song will see them draw level. And obviously Drogba and Lampard were also under Mourinho for a long period of time that they combined as well. So you can see the, the old Jose potentially returning, which is very, very exciting for Spurs fans. Uh, but ultimately, three much-needed points for Spurs, um, and it's got loads of people talking about them as, as possible contenders again, which makes me happy and also very, very nervous. But George, I know you don't like Tottenham, but uh, you have to appreciate they grinded out a win here, right? I mean, any team that plays Burnley is going to be difficult. Um, Burnley are such a tough team to break down, um, and you could see that was going to happen. Jose is right at the start of the game. I'm, well, the thing is, I remember, right, digressing off the, the Burnley thing is when um, when Jose first went to Spurs I was like oh god I was like that's not good news because that means they're going to win something um, the problem is no matter who goes to Spurs Spurs are still going to be Spursy and that's the thing the West Ham game showed that um, but there's there's I think Jose's as a manager does and will take them to the next level where they can actually win something and that worries me a lot um, as a West Ham fan and I, I, I don't think I'm ready for a world where, where Tottenham are Premier League champions I just don't think I'm ready for that um, I don't think it will happen this season um, but Spurs have got a very strong squad the fact that they can leave bad out for pretty much the whole game um, says that Kane and Son, they've both gone into my fantasy team. I played my wild card this week to, to put them in. Um, so I think I think they'll break that that record this season. Um, yeah, the, the Spurs, uh, there are there are players in Spurs which worry me. Son worries me. Kane worries me. That goal, 
but it's, it's one of the most underrated goals you'll ever see because the way that that ball came in and nine times out of ten, right, any other player that gets the ball to their head is going for goal. In, the, in, in, that, in that position where Harry Kane was, they're going to try and get that on target towards goal. Harry Kane didn't particularly try and just score with that header. He just tried to keep the ball alive mm-hmm. because he saw the ball and he thought, you know what, I want to put it in an area where another one of my teammates can get to it and score from it. He's done it. He's done it simple as. And that's why Harry Kane keeps getting all these, all of these assists. You see these 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 big diagonal through balls that Harry Kane does, which is a very Jose Mourinho thing as well, by the way. Um, Mourinho's getting the best out of Harry Kane. He's making it much more dy- dynamic. I just wish that we saw that for England, and that is my biggest thing with Harry Kane. Is I and I, and I, he's a good player, fantastic player. Um, I just wish he did it for England. Like when he's got the players around him to do it, and he can put it in there, and he can put a shift in, and he can be the dynamic player he is for Spurs. Absolutely world class, and I don't I don't say that lightly, because world class for me is top three, top four in your position in the world, and I don't think Harry Kane is is that for England, but at club level he probably is, and that's the thing. So. Um, it's 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 a difficult it's a difficult situation for Spurs fans. Not Spurs. Spurs are contenders, 100% contenders. I'm not ready for them to win the league. Definitely not because I don't want to have to deal with you after it happens. But um, for Spurs fans, I just know. And I just know for a fact they'll be getting to the end of the, they'll be getting to the end of the season, and there could be three games left, and they could be within touching distance of winning the league. And all Spurs fans will be thinking is. We're going to throw this away. We're going to bottle it. We've got, they're going to go, oh, well, we've got Brighton, West Brom, and Fulham at the end of the season, and they've got to win those three games. You'll lose two of them, and you'll end up finishing second or third. So, finish third in a two horse race, as I recall. Yeah. That was the thing that will haunt me forever. But yeah, so overall, great win for Spurs. um, And obviously, I am very happy. But uh, next time, Next time out, we face Brighton at home. We'll see what happens. Uh, but guys, well, that was all the Premier League games. Sorry, George, do you want to say something else? No, no. <laughs> cool. So that was all. The, that was all the Premier League matches for for this weekend. Uh, just to give you a quick rundown of the table, and um, this is with the caveat that according to this table that I'm looking at right now, Aston Villa, uh, Burnley, Manchester United, and Manchester City all still have a game in hand. I don't know if that's right, George. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, when I read out their positions, they could potentially be higher when they play their catch-up game. Uh, but joint first, you have Everton and Liverpool, both on 13 points. Everton ahead on goal difference. In third and fourth, you have Aston Villa and Leicester. Fifth is Tottenham. Sixth, Leeds. Seventh, Southampton. Eighth, Palace. Ninth, Wolves. And then tenth and eleventh, Chelsea and Arsenal. Twelfth, West Ham, who are actually above Manchester City. Um, in thirteenth, fourteenth and 15th is Newcastle followed by Manchester United with 16th and 17th currently being Brighton and West Brom which means the relegation zone is currently inhabited by Burnley Sheffield United and Fulham descending in that order right that was game week six Um, I hope you enjoyed it guys I appreciate it it was a bit long but then again there are 10 matches to get through at the end of every day. Um, but be sure to join us next week when we review week seven. Um, there's the likes of Manchester United versus Arsenal. Chelsea are the next ones to try and break down Burnley's wall. Leeds versus Leicester, which should be a very interesting game. And obviously Liverpool, West Ham, Spurs, Brighton should be a laugh. 
Can we, can we all just think about me as well on the, the West Ham Liverpool game, which is actually on the 31st of, which is Halloween, obviously, of this month at 5.30, which is prime time trick-or-treating. And I don't want to be, I'm not being funny, but I'm going to be out having to go trick-or-treating with my children. And then I'm going to have to come back and then answer my daughter trick-or-treaters as well. So just to let you know, Luke, I'm not going to be watching that game live. I'm going to have to record it and turn my phone off. That's fine. When you turn it on, you'll have loads of voice clips from me. Um, yeah, laughing. <laughs> <laughs> probably. Um, but guys, whilst you're still here with us, uh, if you have made it through to the end of this podcast, please give us a follow on Twitter to keep up to date on all the latest things that we post. Obviously, we don't just review the Premier League. Uh, we do deep dives into clubs and we will be doing some games as well in the future, especially when it gets a bit more to Christmas. We'll have a bit of fun. Um, you can follow me directly at LJ Peachy and the podcast at Have a Crack Pod. George, they can also follow you. Where can they find you? I've changed my Twitter handle, actually. I'm now at Campy Irons. There you go, at Campy Irons. Well, that's all from us. Thank you very much, guys, for listening. Make sure you have a great week and make sure you check out the podcast next Tuesday when we review week seven. Ta-da!